This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to episode 131. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. This week, as summer winds down and Labor Day passes, that means the anniversary of 9-11 is here. But just as every year, but maybe especially this year, it's a reminder to stay vigilant. Turned to this guy, one of the FBI agents that was there, and I looked him in the eyes and I said, you know these things are going to come down, don't you? And he looked at me and he said, yeah, 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 they are. And none of the federal agents that were there made any attempt to leave, and, and they just knew the building was going to come down, and they just stayed. And I don't think the firemen, the looks on their faces when they went up the stairs, I, I, I don't think they thought they were going to get out either. I think everybody just kind of knew what was happening. We were just trying to get out as many people. How did how did you get out? I, there was a cap, an NYPD captain with intelligence, and he came up to me and he says, "Look, you're paramedic, right?" And I said, "Yeah." And he says, "This is for police. The paramedics realize is on um, Church and Fulton. Uh, that's the. I'm sorry. Uh, that's the very east entrance." to the trade center and he says go there and help I said look I'll stay with you and he says no I'll go and um, I went down the escalator went out the door and um, I crossed the street and I came up to the paramedics that were there and I said listen you guys need any help and they were like are you kidding and um, we started triaging people and just then I mean I couldn't have been out the door three five minutes there was this explosion and I looked up, and it was falling on us. The whole thing was just coming down on us, and we all ran. Uh, I ran east about a block, and um, then I kind of went to my right, and I hid behind some pillars when it came down. And um, it was it was it was like a huge, the biggest pipe bomb in history because all this all, all the glass and um. And all the metal just kind of um, just formed shrapnel. And uh, just about everybody that I was running with that didn't make the right, I, I think they just all got killed. Never forget is the mantra of 9-11. It was on bumper stickers, repeated by presidents, and hashtagged for two decades now. It was a rally cry when the war in Afghanistan started. 20 years ago. And now, 20 years later, never forget has become never forget? Have we forgotten? Have we forgotten the lessons of 9-11? Have we forgotten about what happened on that day? Have we forgotten what happened afterward? 
Have we forgotten about the public officials who said the air was clear at Ground Zero? The Islamophobic attacks that happened on people across America? The rapid passage of the Patriot Act rolling back civil rights? People snatched up and sent to Gitmo without trial? The push for an invasion without a declaration of war? The rapid passage of the authorization of the use of military force, the AUMF, that allowed the unchecked expansion of presidential power and the authority to conduct a forever war for 20 years and counting. Have we forgotten the unity? Have we forgotten the heroism? Have we forgotten the dead? Have we forgotten the humanity? Have we forgotten the lessons? From the divisions around COVID to the attack on January 6th, to the betrayal of Afghanistan, to the thousands of 9-11 first responders and survivors left alone to die from health impacts without help to this day. 20 years after 9-11, as a guy who was there at Ground Zero on 9-11, it feels like we've forgotten. Or for those of us who can't forget, it feels like much of America has forgotten. And many in power would like to keep it that way. They want you to forget. They want you to forget about the people that died, the rights that were trampled, the bodies that were stacked, the fortunes that were made, the political quests that were launched. They want you to forget the lessons learned. Now, as a relatively older guy, I consider myself one of the many keepers of the 9-11 flame. And it's my responsibility to do my part to make sure America never forgets. It's why I do this show. It's why I do a lot of what I do. And it's why I decided to help a new generation of leaders never forget. You can always come home. So much has changed. So much is the same. But 23 years after I graduated, I'm excited and humbled to return to my beloved alma mater, Amherst College, this fall as a visiting professor in political science. I'm teaching a seminar that I created called Understanding 9-11. It felt like an important way I could give back 20 years after that fateful day. I'll challenge a new generation of leaders to explore what it really means to never forget and to forge their own paths. And we'll experience this unprecedented time together. I always said that if I ever went back to campus to teach, I'd do it outside, in the quad. And so, now thanks to the pandemic, so in addition to indoor Zooms with honored guests, the freshman quad outside will be our classroom for the semester. That quad and the world all around us. So, I want to thank my inspiring students the poli-sci department, the college staff, and everyone at Amherst and all educational institutions for keeping the light shining, especially through the pandemic, and especially as America heads back to school. You are the leaders our world needs now more than ever. The motto of Amherst College is Terrace Irradiant. Let them bring light upon the world. And I've tried to do my part 
to bring light to the rest of the world, even after the darkest days. So I'll ask my students, never forget? While some have definitely forgotten 9-11. Not our guest this week. He's a guy who can never forget. And he joined my class this week. Before we get to him, a man who will never forget. Plenty in Washington have forgotten 9-11. Plenty in Washington have forgotten 8-11, as in last month. This week, Virginia Senator Tim Kaine tweeted this. Today is the first day in 20 years that the U.S. is not at war. Dangers and challenges abound, and we will always meet them in the moment. But Joe Biden has chosen to end forever war, a powerful new chapter for America. That's what Senator Tim Kaine tweeted this week. They continue to tell you the war is over. That's absurd and incredibly irresponsible from a U.S. senator who once ran for vice president. We have troops right now in war zones in Iraq, Syria, the Democratic Republic of Congo, and numerous other places around the globe. The U.S. is an active combatant via air campaigns in Iraq, Syria, and Somalia. And the U.S. has troops on the ground as advisors in Iraq, Syria, Libya, Somalia, Sahel, the Lake Chad Basin, the Philippines. America's out of Afghanistan, but we're not out of war. No matter what Tim Kaine tries to spin, and no matter how hard he tries to make you forget. And the war is not over for the people of Afghanistan. Everyone can see that now. And for those who still can't, let me share that the war is not over for the Afghans, especially for our allies in Afghanistan, especially for women and girls, and allies who are also women, like Banu Nagar. Banu Nagar was a police officer, a female police officer, who was also eight months pregnant. Three sources told the BBC that the Taliban beat and shot Nagar dead in front of her husband and children in Afghanistan on Saturday. Relatives supplied graphic images showing blood splattered on the wall in the corner of a room and a body, the face heavily disfigured. The family says that Banu Nagar, who worked at the local prison, was eight months pregnant. The war is not over for Banu Nagar, for her unborn child, and for tens of millions of others inside Afghanistan right now. Don't believe the spin. The Taliban is not changed. You heard that in the last four episodes from guests like Representative Peter Meyer, Army veteran Kristen Rouse, human rights activist and Army Major Matt Zeller, and Gold Star wife Jane Horton. This week, Taliban officials broke up a demonstration by dozens of women in Kabul demanding the continuation of rights built up since the end of the Taliban's previous spell in power. The Taliban targeted them with tear gas and pepper spray as they tried to walk from a bridge to the presidential palace. In Kabul, everyone the BBC spoke to, former government advisors, airline cabin crew, teachers, hairdressers, everyone was worried. Most are downright scared. Some, many, 
are hiding in safe houses. The Taliban continues to stress that, quote, women and girls will have their rights within Islam. But those rules are emerging, like new dress codes. Female students must wear an abaya, or a robe, or an hijab, a face veil. And classes are now segregated by gender at universities. The Taliban gave more details on how segregation of the sexes would actually work. In an extensive document, the authorities said that women and men must be separated, if necessary, by a curtain, and only taught by other women. Women are being beaten. They are being silenced. They are being enslaved in forced marriages. And they're being killed. Women's lives are being shattered and ended, like Banu Nagar. Never forget Banu Nagar. Never forget her story. Never forget her name. The United States has left so many allies behind just like her. Never forget that. Never forget that this is not the end. It's just a new chapter in a terribly painful story. The White House and others may want to turn the page, but millions of us never will. And millions of Afghans never can. The war is not over, and it's not a success. The last few weeks have been the great American betrayal of Afghanistan. A betrayal of our brave Afghan allies. A betrayal of all those American men and women who served over there and promised the Afghans that our government would protect them. It's a betrayal of our core values as a nation, again, just like has happened before. Never forget, America forgets pretty fast. And many in the media have already forgotten. Now, some in the media have done well, and many have failed. The Daily Wire wrote a piece this week noting that MSNBC the media network that can usually be counted on to slam conservatives and support Democrats has been allowing voices that are surprisingly critical of Biden, including mine and people like Helene Cooper of the New York Times and others. The headline said MSNBC takes aim at Biden's withdrawal fiasco. That was the headline. Now, let's be clear. The Daily Wire is trash. But most of the rest of it was correct. I, too, have been surprised that MSNBC has had me on so often during this mess. And MSNBC has had on other critical voices like Matt Zeller, Kristen Rouse, Mark Jacobson, Jake Wood, and many other important voices. Now, it's a credit to many hosts on MSNBC who have integrity and are willing to let folks like me appropriately criticize Biden on their shows. But others on MSNBC will not. And a few and Lawrence O'Donnell in particular, have been straight up carrying Biden's water on the mess in Afghanistan. This has been a defining time for MSNBC and its hosts, but also for CNN, Fox, Vice, PBS, NPR, and every other network, host, and voice in the public dialogue on all media. Many people have risen to this moment shared the reality, elevated ground truth voices, spoken truth to power, and kept the focus on Afghanistan. But too many others have negligently broadcast Biden and his spokespeople without challenge, 
parroted White House talking points, shared selective and optimistic numbers without context, ignored Afghan voices, served as apologists, talked out of their asses, or just plain ignored Afghanistan. The real government failures on Afghanistan will become clearer over time. And so will the successes and failures of the American media. Very similar to the run-up and invasion of Iraq, there will be many in the media who blew this and or enabled it. And many of those enablers continue to double down right now. The Afghanistan withdrawal has been a true failure of American values and a failure of leadership, a gut-check moment for our country and especially for our new president. A gut-check moment. Like Iraq like the Me Too movement, like the pandemic, like George Floyd's murder, like the election, like January 6th, like 9-11. And just like those other key moments, Afghanistan is not really over, especially for the people living it. Not even close. And even if those in power do, and especially if they want you to, never forget. Never forget and stay vigilant because eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. And no matter what Biden or Tim Kaine or Lawrence O'Donnell or anyone else says, the war is not over. And independent Americans who are putting country above party know it. But a hurricane hit, and the pullout was almost two weeks ago now, and there are other issues facing America, and they want you to forget. That's the truth but we're pushing back. And the 20th anniversary of 9-11 is now here to help remind everyone what it means truly to never forget. That's the light and the truth to contrast the heat and the lies. It's the truth we've been bringing you for the last four episodes on Afghanistan. And it's a truth we will bring you again in this episode. 20 years after 9-11. Have we forgotten? After gripping episodes with Matt Zeller, Jane Horton, Kristen Rouse, and Representative Pete Meyer, we're keeping our focus on Afghanistan and going back to how it all started on 9-11. Independent Americans is continuing our unique focus on the debacle in Afghanistan by pivoting back to how it all started. It's all come full circle now, and we will too with an urgent conversation with an inspiring American leader who's been on the front lines of fighting American forgetfulness for 20 years. He's a conscience for America and a returning champion on this show. We talked to a congressman. We talked to leaders of the digital Dunkirk. We talked to a veteran activist. We talked to a Gold Star advocate. And next week, we'll talk to an admiral, former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mike Mullen. All of them are fighting the fires facing America. But this episode, we'll talk to a different kind of leader, a real fighter of fires, a guy who on the anniversary of 9-11 will remind us that America can fight fires, can stand up to the heat, and can face down the worst that the world has to offer and come out on the other side like a steel blade forged by the fire. He's back our favorite fighter of fires, real, political, social, our friend, the one and only Rob Sarah. 
You may remember Rob Sarah from episode number two, over 100 episodes ago. Rob Sarah, FDNY retired firefighter, brings the heat. He's one of America's most powerful advocates for firefighters in America and a true badass. He's run into fires. He's lobbied Congress. He's met with the White House. He stood with Jon Stewart. And he's bravely carried the voices of his fellow firefighters. He's a former hockey player for the FDNY and a father of three. He's blunt, brilliant, and funny. Every time he joins us, he warms your heart and sparks a fire in your belly. Rob was born and raised on Staten Island, New York. And his first day in the field as a firefighter was September 11th, 2001. He wasn't scheduled to work that day. But Rob Sarah sprung into action and reported to the World Trade Center to help in the aftermath of the attacks. And after a short but action-packed career, Rob was forced to retire because of illnesses caused by toxins at Ground Zero. He started speaking out and organizing other first responders to raise awareness and push for the impending expiration of the Zadroga 9-11 Health Act. After the death of his friend and mentor, Ray Pfeiffer, another firefighter hero, Rob helped create the Ray Pfeiffer Foundation. It's an organization that supports those that responded to 9-11 attacks. They provide motorized wheelchairs, portable oxygen tanks, cancer treatments, home hospice care, and more. Along with other advocates from across the country and people like John Stewart, Rob Sarah would get the 9-11 BCF extended until 2090 with complete bipartisan support. And Rob was next to President Trump at the White House when he signed the historic bill into law. Rob suffers from a whole slew of 9-11 related illnesses and from injuries he sustained while fighting fires. While his body may be beaten, he remains dedicated to using his voice to advocate for first responders and survivors and for survivors everywhere. Rob always says, my hands might shake now, but my voice never will. It's another conversation to inspire and to help you stay vigilant. And now he's got a new platform. Working with me and the team at Righteous Media, today he launched the Firefighters Podcast with Rob Sarah. The flame is on and it's time to feel the burn. Get ready to hear from Rob Sarah, answer the call, and join the squad. It's another conversation to inspire and to help you stay vigilant because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And that's a lesson from 9-11 that we should all truly never forget. It's a high price, one that 343 firefighters paid on 9-11 and one that thousands continue to pay today. And a voice for all of them is Rob Sarah. Independent Americans is again bringing light to contrast the heat and bringing truth to fight the spin. We're bringing the righteous media five eyes, independence, integrity, information, inspiration, and impact. And we're helping introduce you not just to a new conversation, but a new podcast hosted by Rob. Yes, it is finally time. Rob is going from the bench to the starting lineup. And we're bringing the ground truth again, a real truth you need to hear about 9-11 about what it means 20 years later, and how we can all get involved to make a difference. A way we can all be helpers. A way we can all never forget and truly learn the lessons of 9-11. Welcome to an examination of 9-11. 
20 years later. Welcome to a look inside a world of those who've been fighting fires ever since. We're going back to 9-11 and back to the future. Welcome to a conversation about that time and this time, about real patriotism, leadership, values, family, and hockey. Welcome to an episode you'll never forget. Welcome to Independent Americans, episode 131. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Ladies and gentlemen, independent Americans around the country and around the world. This is a big week in America. It is the 20th anniversary of September 11th. Kids are back in school. Football is starting. And we have our returning champion, maybe, probably, definitely the most popular guest we've ever had on this show in its many iterations. I am very proud and inspired and happy to welcome back the great and powerful and the new host of the Firefighters podcast, powered by Righteous Media, the one, the only, Rob Sarah. Hold your applause. Hold your applause. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me back again. It's good to see. How many times has this been now? I don't know. It's three or four. I don't know. I'm going to have to start doing stupid human tricks, I think. <laughs> you, said, you, you said you're like the Jack Hanna of independent Americans. Yeah. Was that, was that the guy who did uh, animals on Johnny yeah. Carson? Yeah, he'd bring the animals out. Well, you are bringing uh, lots of good animals and, and spirit yeah. animals. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful that you did. You got a fresh haircut. You got your beard cut. You look good. Yeah. Right? And you got this Great. new studio for folks who are, who are uh, listening. I'm going to encourage them to go over and check out the video. You built this amazing studio in your house with, uh, I'm going to ask you to describe it, hockey sticks. And then you got FDNY hockey jerseys of two types. And then what's the what's the magic walking stick thing in the back? What is That's, that? That is literally my walking stick. I found that uh, in somebody's backyard. I, de- I debarked it and uh, I used to use it when I went hiking. It, it looks, looks like, like, yeah, it looks fake. It, it, <laughs> no, it looks like like Merlin, the, the, the wizard's magic staff or Gandalf staff or something. Yeah, I found it exactly shaped that way. It was perfect. So I just, you know. I felt like it was meant to be. And just because I'm looking, is that an axe handle? Yeah, I have a, a little axe uh, that some guys gave me when I retired. So this is a, a really important week. I am really grateful that you're here. Uh, I want to start by congratulating you. Folks, if, if you don't know, now you know. Uh, this is going to drop on Thursday, uh, September 9th. On Wednesday evening, we are formally launching rob sarah's own podcast the firefighters hosted by rob sarah so it's come full circle all of us at righteous are so excited to bring you and this new show to everybody 
So congratulations. How does that feel? Uh, it feels a little weird, to be honest. Uh, you know, it took a little getting used to because I'm not used to being the one asking the questions, you know. Um, but it's pretty cool, man. I've always wanted to host my own show. Um, as I told you, it was on my bucket list. Uh, so I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, but yeah, I'm just excited. You know, I got my whole family involved. As you know, we got little Frankie as my cooking correspondent and Linda is my uh, behind the scenes producer. Um, so we're all excited. The kids are excited. You know, we're, we're ready to roll. We're coming in hot, as they say. Coming in hot. And for yep. folks that maybe haven't heard the earlier episodes, Rob is a legendary 9-11 hero and first responder. His first day on the job was on 9-11. Uh, and then he's gone on to be, I think, the most powerful, one of the most powerful and important voices for firefighters, for first responders, and really for America. So we're excited for you to have this show. Uh, I, I want you to, to share with people um, as we think about the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Can you tell them you're starting off the show hot, right? Can you, can you start off by telling them who your first guest is and, and what you guys talk about? Yeah, my first guest is is a guy I used to work with, with named Rich Navioski. Uh, he did a 20-year career in the FDNY. He retired a couple months ago, um, and he saw it all, you know, like me. He, he started out a couple months before me, but he started out his career on 9-11, basically. Um, he responded to many different tragedies, uh, you know, in, in a 20-year span in New York City. You're going to see a lot, right? Um, but this particular 20-year span, we've seen a lot. Uh, you know, from plane crashes to crane collapses, terrorist attacks. Uh, so we go through a little bit of that with, with Rich. Um, I don't think one episode is enough to get the full story of Rich. So we'll definitely bring him back on. But, uh, the thing I like about Rich is, is he keeps it positive. You know, he, he's seen a lot of bad stuff, but he, he, he seems to, uh, see the forest through the trees. You know, he sees, he sees the light at the end of the tunnel. And, uh, I think he's a keeper of that light. So that's why I like that's why I wanted to have Rich as my first guest, you know, because it's a dark world out there. But, uh, you know, those of us who've, who've witnessed it firsthand can tell you that as, as much as the bad stuff goes on out there, there's a lot of good, too. You know, a lot of people like Rich, um, you know, people should be happy to know that there are dudes like Rich out there uh, writing poetry and fighting fires at the same time. You know, makes me happy. I, I, I look, I listen to everything. And now I run a media company. We, we're working on a lot of different podcasts and development. And this episode has me riveted. He takes us inside the day of 9-11. You know, he was a young firefighter like you. Then he also, you know, takes us through some other episodes that folks may have forgotten about. He talks about the Deutsche Bank fire um, that was very important and killed, I think, two firefighters and injured over 100 he talks about uh, he talks about a, a, when he was driving home one day and an accident that he witnessed. Um, and he's just a guy that was uh, and he also talked about the terrorist attack when the truck drove through the pedestrian walkway in Battery Park on Halloween Day. I remember that day. I lived a couple blocks away. I was walking my kid to school when it happened. And this was a guy who was kind of there for all of it and describes it in graphic detail. It's some heartbreaking shit. My dad's a firefighter. I've been around you guys for 20 years and, and I've never heard stories like this. And I think that's what's the power of this show is he, he, he feels comfortable with you and he shares that. But like you said, he ends it in a really positive way. And it's just, it's a must listen to folks can get it anywhere. They get this podcast. You can go to the firefighters.us. And then we end it every episode with, with Frankie and recipes. Talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
you know, we want to mix up, uh, mix in the firehouse atmosphere, right? And what's what's more important to the firehouse than the meal? Um, you know, and just like the firehouse, the meal is a, is a family operation. Everyone's involved. Everyone has their task. Um, and Frankie stepped up, you know, she wanted to do it. She, she did that all on her own. I didn't write her a script. I didn't give her any direction. Uh, her sister took out her, took out the camera and, and they just, they rolled with it. Um, and I think people are going to love the results, you know, I mean, obviously they're my kids and I think they're adorable. Uh, but I think it shines through, you know, Frankie's, uh, Frankie's ready, I think. She's, she's, <laughs> she's ready. She's a star. And we also, you know, want to mention, we want to open it up to folks if they have firefighter stories. You know, we've, we've talked about bringing in folks who have been, you know, dealing with the hurricanes in New Orleans or in Florida, wildfire fighter, firefighters out in the, in the West Coast, even expanding into international stories. And we want to bring those uh, and then encourage people from different firehouses to share their recipes. And you can share those on, on the show and, and elevate them. But I think, Rob, it's exciting to hear you elevate these stories at this moment because it's 9-11. Um, you know, anyone who, who listens to this show, you can find how to get Rob's show, subscribe, share it. But Rob's also going to be everywhere this week. We're launching this show also at the hockey game that we're going to talk about in a second that's happening at Madison Square Garden. But 20th anniversary of 9-11. I am now teaching a class at Amherst College. You were my first special guest. You came in and spoke to my students this week. Most of them hadn't been born on 9-11. Uh, it's 20 years later. My class is called Understanding 9-11. I'm going to ask you the same question on the show that I asked you on Monday with my class. 20 years later, Rob, you were there. This has been your life. You know, you're, you're a conscience for all of us. What do you want people to think about or remember on the 20th anniversary? Um, you know, as I said to the class, you know, I still don't understand 9-11. Um, I think people need to understand that it's... It, what never forget actually means, you know, um, it, it's kind of become cliche at this point to say never forget, you know, it's become the punchline and jokes or whatever. But what I think it should mean is we shouldn't forget the actual actions that day that people actually planned out an attack to murder as many people as they could. You know, that's, you know, political lines, na national lines like that's that's something we need to remember just as human beings, you know, that that people are capable of such evil. Um but also we need to remember the, the, the bright spots of that day, the, the largest evacuation uh, in U.S. history that took place, you know, by boat, by car, by bus, by plane, um, you know, the men and women that, that rushed up the stairs as people were running past them. And uh, people like Captain Patrick Brown, who, who refused his order to exit the building. He said, I'm not leaving injured people up here. They need our help. Um, so I think that's what we need to remember. But most importantly, we need to remember that 9-11 is not over. Um, I just got a text that we lost another firefighter about 30 minutes ago to a 9-11 illness. Um, it's happening three or four times a week. We've lost now 257 FDNY firefighters to a 9-11 illness. Um, I believe the number is, is close to 500 NYPD police officers. Thousands of people have died from these illnesses. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's really that that question is probably too deep to answer in, a, in an hour and a half uh, class up at Amherst. Um, but there's just so many facets that we need to think about. Um, you know, obviously it led to two different wars and it led to 
basically a change in our, in our domestic policy. You know, we forget the Patriot Act. That gets lost somewhere. Everyone's complaining about wearing masks. Where were these people complaining when the Patriot Act came in and they could just put you in jail without cause or reason? You know, uh, I don't know, man. Um, so I, I think, I hope that on, at, on Saturday, that when people are watching all these videos and, and watching all these documentaries, that they, that they realize that there are actual people out there still dealing with the repercussions. You know, when you watch these videos of people jumping out of, out of the building, you know, that hits home very hard for my family, you know, because we don't know where Kristen's father ended up. Uh, for, for your listeners, if you don't know, Kristen's my wife and her father was a vice president at Kenneth Fitzgerald that day. Um, so odds are, you know, he, he didn't ride down in the building. You know what I mean? So when we watch those videos, you know, it's hard. Um, and it's not just, I, I guess we've been desensitized because of video games and movies and all that, but that's real life. That's somebody's dad, somebody's wife, somebody's kid, you know, jumping out of those windows. Um, it also tells you what they were facing inside the building, that that was the better choice, you know? Um, so there's a lot of things I hope people think about, but I really just hope that they realize that families like mine are still dealing with, with the actions of that day. And my kids are going to be dealing with it their whole lives too. So I don't know, man. No, that's, I, 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 told, I told the class and I want to tell our audience this too. Every time you have to talk about it, it hurts. And every time you do it, it's a, it's a selfless sacrifice because it's like ripping this, these stories out from the inside of you and sharing them. And it's a noble and heroic thing just to share your personal story for Kristen to share hers. And there's so many families that were impacted personally and continue to be impacted personally. And I think that's, that's what I've been trying to echo is remember there's a humanity right? At a time where we're kind of look at each other like Twitter icons and the division is so intense and everybody's so nasty. You know, there was that moment of humanity and understanding and this profound connection that in many ways was even greater than the pandemic because we had like three channels to watch and we were all experiencing it very similarly. And I think that that fragmentation has made us lose some of our humanity. But let me, let me ask you to take that forward. It's 20 years later. We've been focusing really in depth on this show on Afghanistan over the last uh, you know, four or five episodes. We're going to come back to that next week again. But I want to just ask you, as someone who is a keeper of the flame, not just for firefighters and first responders, but for America, um, what, what are your thoughts on, on the last couple of weeks in Afghanistan and what it means for all of us? Um, obviously, I'm not well, as well-versed in military tactics as you are, but you know, my initial thought was that that war ended the only way it could, the same way it began. Tragically and 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 a complete disaster, right? I mean, that's how that that's how it all started. Um, I, you know, I wasn't surprised to see the way it ended. I wasn't surprised to watch see those videos um, of American planes leaving Americans behind. Um, it doesn't surprise me. Nothing does because of what I've seen over the last 20 years in this country. As you know, you know, we, we, we spent 18 years fighting our own government to take care of the sick and dying people of 9-11 to get some sort of acknowledgement that that what we did mattered. Right. That all those all those never forget speeches that they give once a year uh, have meaning behind them. So, you know, I'm not surprised that that the war ended the way it did. And I'm not surprised that. Um, if it if it really did end, I mean, really, 
I, I don't think it did. Uh, but I don't know, man. I, one thing that struck me about the last week was, was all those pictures floating around social media with the 13 glasses, uh, you know, in bars and restaurants and, and, and all that. And it just made me wonder, like, where the fuck were the glasses for the last 20 years? Now, all of a sudden, we're, we're honoring. I mean, I'm not saying we shouldn't honor these, these, these you know, selfless humans who, who sacrificed themselves. But where are we honoring the thousands of others who've been dying? You know, all of a sudden, now we care. What? Because you don't like the president or you don't like it. Why should that matter? If we're gonna if we're gonna celebrate our military, why should it matter who the president is? We should be we should be honoring every sacrifice. We should be honoring the sacrifice of 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 the fireman who just died thirty minutes ago in this same war. That's how I look at it, you know. Um, and to touch, but like the Deutsche Bank fire, for example, I consider uh, those firefighter deaths part of nine eleven. They died in that building that was being taken down because of nine eleven. You know, I, I think all. of all those things, and, and, and I really hope people listen to Nav's story about that. Um, he was a little bit too humble about his actions that day. Um, him and the rest of the members of Squad 18 did everything they could to save those two brothers. And, you know, despite the fact that they couldn't breathe, they, that was a death trap, that building. But, so, you know, I don't know, man. How, do wars ever end well? Um, mm. You know, not everything is, is, ends with a parade down Fifth Avenue, right? You know, I, like I said, I'm not a military guy. I just know that I know how the U.S. government treated me, you know, while calling me to the cameras and then in the office treating me like a beggar, you know. So I don't know, man. I, I wish that, I that's, what, that's what that's what people need. But to- I try to not. Sorry. Go ahead. That, no, that's what people need to hear, Rob. I mean, there there is a. A point that I've been trying to make about Afghanistan that I think is also true for many of the firefighters and other first responders, which is the moral injury, the moral of injury of feeling like, you know, when we say never forget, well, they forgot about you. They forgot about, you know, Ray Pfeiffer. They forgot about the guy who just died, you know, for a long time. And they forgot about Afghanistan and and they've already forgotten about, you know, the the person falling from the plane and the woman putting the baby over the razor wire. And, and, you know, that's going to be my message is, is to try to remind people that there is a moral outrage. It's, it's a, it's more than a broken heart. It's a broken promise. And that same, you know, promise that we broke to the Afghan people is the same promise that was broken between the American government and you when they told you the air was clean and they were going to take care of you. So I think there's a really fascinating and important intersection happening this year that's been almost too much for me. You know, you and I talk about it yeah. offline. You talk about it a lot in the pod about how, you know, the end of August, you, you, you and Rich say, you know, you feel 9-11 coming and, you know, you wonder why you're a little bit more uh, agitated or why, you know, you're fighting with your wife. And it's, it's a lot to process, especially when so few experienced it. So let me ask you that. How do you do it? Like, how do you, and I'm asking you this because you're also a friend and, and a role model for me. How do you deal with so much personal shit? And then, go out and go on television and go, you know, you're going to go to MSG tomorrow night and you're doing a podcast. How do you, how do you do it? Because it inspires me. And it's part of why I'm so excited about, about your show, because I think people need help fighting their own fires, whatever they are. Right. Um, my personal, personal philosophy is that I don't take life personally. Um, and I think if, if more people looked at it that way, we'd all be better off, you know, shit happens to everyone, you know, like, 
If I was if I was uh, ten years ago at that fire when the when the building fell on my head, if I was two feet to the to the left, I'd be fine. You know, I wouldn't need to to ride around on a scooter. You know, but that's life, right? It did fall on my head. So what am I going to do? Am I going to sit uh, sit and feel sorry for myself, which I tried? And to be honest, I didn't like that guy. Um, and thankfully, I had people in my life like Ray to kick me in the ass and say, you know, fucko. <laughs> You're not done yet, you know. Um, so, you know, I have I, along the way, I've had people like Ray. Um, I've had, you know, my mom died when I was young, and I've had about ten different mothers step up and 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 treat me like their son. So I feel like I owe it to the next person who needs that. You know, I have uh, you know members of my own family who who, who need a father figure. So I, yeah, I'm going to do it. Um, and to be honest, man, my, my motivation for getting through this game in MSG and this podcast has been a conversation I had with my son. Um, now I'm going to get emotional. You know, he's eight years old. Well, he just turned eight. And we were on vacation in Cape Cod uh, a couple months ago. And it was a 130-year-old resort. You know, nothing is, is uh, ADA-friendly in those buildings and, you know, in the Northeast, right? So everything was a long walk and it was about 10 o'clock at night and we were sitting by a fire pit and the, the bathroom had to be at least, you know, a thousand, 2000 yards away, of course, on the second floor. He's got to go. So I walk him there. And when we get out, I stop to get in the elevator and he's running past me. He turns around and he says, what are you doing? What are you lazy? So then I took a deep breath. I said, no, buddy, I'm sorry. My legs hurt. I can't walk. And he said, well, you do always sit in your recliner, right? So you are lazy. And I just, that was it for me. I, you know, it, it broke my heart. I mean, he's an eight-year-old kid. He doesn't know any different. He doesn't know why daddy sits in his chair all the time. But you know what? It, 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 it inspires me to get up when I can, right? I don't want him to think I'm fucking lazy. Um, when he gets older, he'll understand why, you know, everything that I went through. But also he needs to see me doing shit. He needs to see me doing a podcast and, and standing on the ice at Madison Square Garden and, and doing all the other shit that I'm doing. So, you know, I'm not going to say he didn't make me cry that night, but uh, I'm glad that he said it the way he said it, you know, because, mm. well, in true Sarah fashion, we're pretty blunt. But it really gave, gave me the extra push that I needed because I was exhausted. You know, I, you know that I, you know, I go through times where I just can't do anything for, for a week or two. So uh, he gave me that push and, you know, I'm, I'm here and I still got shit left to do. So I'm going to do mm. it till the tank is empty. And you keep doing it, man. And you keep replenishing that tank. You know, you've been a, a Titan for the Ray Pfeiffer foundation. I'm wearing my Ray Pfeiffer foundation shirt today uh, folks can you know go support the Ray Pfeiffer Foundation that Rob is is a leader for and they're helping 9/11 first responders but you pulled something off that's miraculous that I want to talk about that I know your son your whole family the whole country is going to be really proud of talk about this game this 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 hockey game is happening you know this will be the same night that this drops so folks can experience this on television tell them about this shit you guys pulled off, which is pretty amazing. Well, we still got 24 hours yet, so don't jinx it. Uh, yeah, pulling off this game, especially during COVID with the moving goalposts and, and all that with the protocols. 
with cops and firefighters was not easy. Um, this is something that, you know, it, it obviously wasn't just me, but, you know, my team, uh, Frank Hill and Lori Berlin, um, you know, we, we kind of started talking about this probably like a year ago. Um, it started out as just an alumni event. You said, wouldn't it be cool if we got the, uh, you know, the guys who were on the ice at Madison Square Garden at that first game from the Rangers and, and our guys together and maybe film it and, you know, see if somebody would be interested. And it just snowballed and turned into ESPN wants it. They want the real game. They want it two days before 9-11. They want to put it on ESPN2 live on the app. They're going to air the whole ceremony. And it just, it became, uh, you know, it became pretty cool. Um, I never, We never anticipated it getting to the level it's at now, but this game belongs on TV, man. Um, I've seen a lot of hockey games in my life and I don't know if I've ever seen one more intense than this, you know, the, the skill level might not, you know, it might not be Rangers versus devils, but the intensity uh, is real. The atmosphere is real because the people in the crowd are, are way more invested than they are in a, in a sports team because this is their lives, you know? Um, ironically, we got Dunkin Donuts to sign on at Dunkin as our, uh, featured sponsor um, which is which is which is ironic in part because Duncan's kind of a New England thing like Duncan's like like the Patriots you know uh, sponsor right and you and to frame this up for people the the game is FDNY versus NYPD it's firefighters versus cops in Madison Square Garden on the same ice where the Rangers play it's going to be in prime time on ESPN2 and it's going to be I, I the only thing I can compare it to is like the Army Navy game I mean, the Army-Navy football yeah. game, but but a different vibe and the timing around 9-11 is really, really... You told me that they're making the ice especially for you guys. Right? Yeah, that, that that's the different element is this game happens every year, usually in March or April. And it's a great... I mean, it's, it sells out Madison Square Garden every year as it is. But this year, obviously, there's no hockey yet. Uh, so the Garden has been very generous with us and, and, and working with us. And they're putting down ice just for us. Um, which is amazing, right? There's no, usually we play before a Ranger game or after a Ranger game, and there's always a time crunch. The last game ended in a tie because the Rangers were coming in and we had to leave. Um, but this year they said the place is yours. You know, there'll be no ties. Um, hopefully there won't be too many fights. Um, you know, we try to keep it clean. But uh, yeah, it, 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 I think everyone is, uh, we were all looking for a way to honor uh, the people we lost on 9-11 and the people that are still dying. And, you know, we still have guys playing that responded on 9-11. We have got, you know, everyone's lost a friend or a loved one at this point to a 9-11 illness. Um, so what better way to honor them? Um, reminiscent of the way the Rangers and the Sabres honored, honored them in 2001, you know? So when you see our new jerseys, you'll see the design. Um, you'll see, uh, you know, we, we, we have a pretty cool, uh, set of numbers on our jerseys this year. If you look closely, you'll see it has all 343 names in there. Um, so yeah, no detail was spared going into this. That's game, so 343 to remind folks is the number of firefighters who died on, on 9-11. You'll see a lot of firefighters with tattoos who say 343. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, of course there were uh, Port Authority uh, p police and, and, and NYPD. And this is kind of the broader first responders community coming together in a really powerful, you know, they, they call the Cowboys, they used to call the Cowboys America's team. 
And I hate that shit. I've always said that, you know, Army football is the closest thing to America's team, but maybe it's the FDNY and, and the NYPD. And if folks, you know, there's still tickets available, I think maybe people can walk up and get some tickets. If not, you know, you could probably finagle your way inside. You can watch it on ESPN. We're going to tweet about it, talk about it, uh, support it in, in any way we can. You know, you're you're an inspiration, man. And, and for your kids and my kids, you know, before I we went to record this, I told you, I asked you for your flexibility because my kids have been puking for the last two days. They got a stomach bub right. and I've been grinding through that and we're trying to launch this show and it's nine 11 and, and you're out there banging away and, and you're, you know, we say, look for the helpers, man. You're, you're what it's all about. So any, as we go into this weekend, you know, you're making the most out of it. You're, you're leading by example. I'm excited for everybody to check out your podcast and any other thoughts, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, Benny's going to hear this 10 years from now, uh, when he's older and he understands, uh, you know, any final message here before the puck drops for you in this next phase. Puck drops for me. Uh, yeah. I mean that in a good way. I mean, it's a new, it's a new thing, right? <laughs> um, I just, if, Vin, if you're listening, I hope that I've made you proud. Um, I hope you've learned that I'm not lazy. Uh, maybe I'm quite the opposite. Um, really, I just want him to like me. I want him to love me. Um, I want that for all my kids, right? So, and I think that would be my message to everyone else. Just be nice to people for a, for a day on Saturday. You know, maybe uh, remember that 20 years ago, like you said, we were all watching the same channel, right? We didn't have YouTube and all the other nonsense that people watch. Nothing, you know what I mean? And all that stuff to distract us. You know, maybe we should be united in, in at least the thought of being nice to each other. Mm. Um, I don't think, uh, I don't think that hurts at all. Right. Just don't be a dick. That's <laughs> the greatest advice. You know, I think that is the day, we can not be dicks to each other. I think that's a perfect message. Instead of never forget, don't be dicks, don't be an asshole. Let me, I'm going to ask you one, one more question. And for uh, Patreon members, go over to Patreon. We're going to have a little bit of extra content with Rob where we'll dig deeper into some hockey stuff. But, but for, for everyone else, uh, I asked you how you wanted to end your show. We end my show with Stay Vigilant. How are you going to end your shows? What's your sign off and, and why? Uh, it's going to be Stay Low which is something uh, firefighters say to each other, you know, obviously in a fire, you got to get low. Um, so it's basically a way of saying, stay safe. Don't get fucking burned. You know, watch your back, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that's how I'm signing off. Everyone stay low, be safe. Um, you wouldn't let me add, don't be a dick. So, uh, you know, we had to cut that out, but, but that's in there. It's implied. <laughs> It is uh, the perfect message for 9-11 and for all times. Uh, I'm humbled to have you as a friend. I'm inspired to watch you work. You are the least lazy guy I know. I can't wait for this game. The new podcast is called The Firefighters with Rob Sarah. Get it anywhere you get your pods. Go to thefirefighters.us. We got some cool merch. We got cooking aprons coming. We got hockey jerseys. You got such cool merch that folks definitely need to check that out. And we'll have new episodes coming really often. Check it out. Tell your friends and, and spread the love. Thank you, my friend. Stay vigilant and stay low. You got it, bro. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Yes, there it is. Let's go. 
This is exactly what Righteous is all about. Elevating voices and bringing the truth to power. Rob Sarah was our guest in episode number two of this show. 130 episodes later, it's time for him to get his own show. And it couldn't come at a more perfect time on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. We say look for the helpers. Rob Sarah is what we're talking about. Always look for the helpers. There will always be helpers, you know, even just on the sidelines. Because if you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. Rob is truly a helper. And this is the righteous media model in action. We will amplify, incubate, cultivate, and launch voices that will become vital parts of our growing network of voices and vital parts of the national dialogue. Rob is the first former guest of my show to get his own show, but he won't be the last. Stay tuned. We've got more on the way, and this is just the start. But my thanks to Rob for being the first. And my special thanks to his amazing wife, Kristen, and to his fantastic kids, Linda, Frankie, and Vinny. They're an amazing family and what this country is all about. And my massive thanks to my own family, my wife, and my two fiery boys. We finished the summer strong. We went to an amazing music festival called The Hoot. We went swimming. We hung out with family. We did a lot of Legos. We played trucks. We rode bikes. And tomorrow and Friday, my boys finally start school again, which is in itself an act of bravery. And I thank them for doing it and for being an inspiration to me and to everyone who knows them and to all the kids out there that are running into the unknown yet again. But my kids aren't doing it before they got a stomach bug that left them puking for two days. Now, there's nothing worse than sick kids. It breaks your heart. But my wife has been heroic. She's now sick too, but they're bouncing back. And I'm hoping I don't get it. I'm the last man standing, but we are all in it together. Just like we have been for 131 episodes of this show. And just like our fearless Patreon members, they bring the fire weekly. My thanks to all of you who are part of our Patreon community. You all are going to get some extra special content with Rob Sarah on Patreon only. I had him stick around for a few minutes. We talked hockey. We talked cooking. We talked sauce versus gravy. But check it out if you're a Patreon member. And if you're not, join our growing insurgent army of independents for exclusive access and events by becoming a member of the Independent Americans Patreon community. Find us on Patreon, just five bucks. You get access to that extra content, to our guests, merch discounts, exclusive content. And you help me and Rob and everyone in the Righteous Network speak truth to power. And thanks to the awesome Righteous Media team, creative Chris Rosenthal, you are a machine, brilliant Bill Schultz keeps banging it out, and precise Paula Hernandez makes everything run smoothly, and they make this show possible. They also make our other shows possible. They make Everybody and Their Mother Has a Podcast possible, and now they make the Firefighters Podcast with Rob Sarah possible. Free hockey jerseys for all of you. And if you love this episode, please support us. Go to the Apple Podcast Store and give us five stars. Please subscribe for free and share it with nine friends. On 9-11, share it with nine friends. And visit us on social media and check out independentamericans.us. I'll have more on some of the other 9-11-related projects and media that I'm doing. 
I'll be on MSNBC this week talking about Memory Box, a film about the wake of 9-11. Hundreds of people recorded their stories in a box, and 20 years later, those same voices return. It aired Wednesday, September 8th at 10 p.m. on MSNBC and Peacock, and I joined Jonathan Capehart for a conversation about it afterward with my friend and former guest on this show, Zainab Salbi, and Senator Claire McCaskill. Check it out. I'll also be on MSNBC with Stephanie Rule this week and on CNN with Anna Cabrera. I also join my friend Ken Barari on his podcast, Coffee with Ken, all linked at independentamericans.us, where we've also got merch and links to Rob's new show. And if you're new to this or you want to go back and get a dose of inspiration, you can see all of Rob's past appearances in episode two, two long years ago. Right before Ron Perlman joined us from his car barreling through Los Angeles, you can hear Rob on that episode, again on episode 11, and again on episode 77. If you want to help people never forget this 9-11, you can start there. Check out those episodes and share them. You can also see video of this conversation with Rob. You can see inside his new studio. He's calling it Studio 22 after the jersey number he wears. And over 100 episodes with people many of whom have been touched by 9-11. Including when we spoke to an army officer who we called Jonathan. I talked to him on 9-11 in episode 24. He was in Afghanistan at the time. I was in lower Manhattan. Check it out. And if you haven't already, go back and check out our last four episodes focused on Afghanistan with Representative Pete Meyer, Kristen Rouse, Jane Horton, and Matt Seller. They're linked at independentamericans.us and on the Righteous Media YouTube page. If you have friends that aren't into podcasts, send them over to our YouTube page and they can watch those conversations. It's all free. America is more divided than ever before. But 20 years ago on 9-11 was a time that we weren't. And Independent Americans is trying to bring that spirit back, trying to add light to contrast the heat of so many other political shows. And we're going to continue to bring you the Righteous Media Five Eyes. So if you're among the 40% of Americans who are independent, this is definitely your show. If you're a Republican or a Democrat, but you're not a diehard partisan, this is your show. And if you're a concerned American who cares about the future of your country, this is your show. All are welcome. And just like in those days on the pile after 9-11, we invite you to join us and try to be a part of the solution. Like Rob Sarah and all of you who over the years supported him and the passage and the extension of the Zadroga bill for 9-11 first responders. Many of you answered the call. It mattered. And it matters now. Let me give you an example. This week, like every week before 9-11, is tough for me. And amazingly, right after I finished my weekly session with my therapist, I got a text. It was from Mount Sinai. And it said, join Mount Sinai World Trade Center mindfulness experts for a virtual workshop to learn how mindfulness can support you and your well-being. Time and date, September 8th, 12 to 1. You can register here. And they sent me a link. I got that from the amazing World Trade Center Health Program. It's exactly what I got and what countless other 9-11 first responders got this week. And it's what they need to hear now as the 20th anniversary approaches. And it's also why all that advocacy for the Zadroga bill and the extension 
was so important. It makes this outreach and this program possible. And if your health, including your mental health, was impacted by 9-11, reach out to the World Trade Center Health Program and register. And remember, as we debate other issues of health care and support and spending, this is an example of why Senator Rand Paul and others were so wrong and why John Stewart and Rob Sarah and so many others were so right. The fight for the Zadroga bill never should have been that hard. And beyond all the slogans and the empty talk from politicians especially, and the fact that Zadroga is there for us now, when most aren't yet thinking about 9-11 at the end of the week, that is what it truly looks like to never forget. And if you really want to honor the spirit of 9-11, ensure that we learn the bigger lessons. Never forget is not just about 9-11 survivors. It's about survivors of hurricanes like Katrina. It's about kids who lost parents in Afghanistan. It's about families devastated by COVID. Never forget means creating a better, more empathetic, wiser America that remembers always. It's about deepening our national memory, hearing our better angels, seeking ways to unite on the big things, and just looking out for each other. It's incalculably hard, but it's possible. Look out for each other, especially now. That's the true spirit of 9-11. That's how we honor all those that died. That's how we fight against those that murdered a total of 2,977 people. In lower Manhattan, 2,753 people were killed when American Airlines Flight 11 and United Airlines Flight 175 were hijacked. 343 people were New York City firefighters. 23 were New York City police officers. And 37 were officers at the Port Authority. And at the Pentagon in Washington, 184 people were killed. And near Shanksville, Pennsylvania, 40 passengers and crew members aboard United Flight 93 died when a plane crashed into a field. It's believed that the hijackers crashed a plane in that location rather than their unknown target because the passengers and the crew worked together to retake control of the flight tech. They stuck together. They saved others. They were the helpers. That's what we should never forget. Stick together and look out for each other. And keep this movement growing week by week. And we'll all stay vigilant because eternal vigilance is the price of our freedom. And with hope in our hearts, it's the reason we go on. Even after unimaginable tragedy like 9-11, and after a pandemic, and after whatever comes next, whatever is the next 9-11. Pass the hope and know you're not alone in your vigilance. We are all vigilant. And we're all in this together, just like on 9-11. And that is maybe the most important thing for us to never forget. For all those that died that day, to all those that mourn, to all those struggling now, to all those that care, to all those that carry on their memory. From my two young boys, to Rob Sarah, to you. All across the country and all around the world, we're all connected. And we never forget. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thanks for listening. Now, 
Go listen to Rob's new podcast, The Firefighters Podcast with Rob Sarah. Don't forget, and stay vigilant, America. Stay vigilant.